So say to your neighbor, this is a message for you. Okay? Because you're all going to have trials, right? So I'm going to, this sermon today is, is really going to be much more of a testimonial. I'm going to speak very much about my personal life. And if you're into like having 30 minutes of Bible in depth, then this isn't for you. But this is just me. I'm going to just share from my heart. really believe that God is telling me to do this. He really chose that verse as well. I didn't just research it. It came to me. So this year has been one of the hardest years of my life. Yes, very challenging. Very, very hard, but yet. So at the beginning of the year, um, Glenn and I's marriage was hitting a very bumpy road. And like most marriages do, pastors are not immune from having bumps in their marriages, right? We're not immune to that. And we had a really tricky time with that. We're like, ah, no, we're in that weird stage, no kids, but kids, not grandkids, but you know, all that kind of thing. And we're trying to negotiate that transition. And it was really bumpy. Then uh, Glenn's brother got cancer and it had been going on for a while, but this year it got worse and worse. He was in a lot of pain. We were trying to be there doing our jobs, but also trying to be there for his chemo and all the different things that he went through. Glenn was going up and down. I, you know, we tried to do as much as we could for him, not only just to be there for him, but to be emotional, emotionally available for him as well. It was just really tough to watch someone you love go through something like that. Just super tough. Um, and then on May the 30th, I went on sabbatical because I was like, I just need a rest. Is that okay, Jesse? He was like, yeah, sure, go for it. I need a rest. And um, I, beginning of May, and at the end of May, I went out for a walk with the dogs. I had a great time, breakfast. Everything was going great. And I was like, oh, there's a slight pain inside. And um, it slowly got worse and worse until I stopped talking. And Glenn was like, something's dreadfully wrong with her. She stopped talking. <laughs> when it's cold, it was. Um, until the point where I was on the floor kneeling over, screaming, as a Brit, we don't scream, and um, screaming, wanting to vomit, and I couldn't move. And in the end, Glenn called 911, and an ambulance arrived, along with all the fire people. Some of my neighbors like, were they cute? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was in pain. <laughs> so they got me, they gave me pain meds there, they took me in the ambulance, they gave me pain meds there. I, was, I was, had a paramedic with me, which apparently means that that's not great. And they rushed me, uh, blue, blue lights going, sirens going. I always wanted to do that. Didn't realize why you'd want to do that. But anyway, um, sirens going all the way to the hospital. They threw me into triage and ER, and I am screaming. I'm still screaming, even though I've had all these pain meds. Um, they give me more pain meds, nothing's working. I'm surrounded by all these doctors and nurses. Glenn can't come in, I don't, I don't see him there. And um, they're talking ICU, they're talking life-threatening. And I'm like, I thought I had just really bad gas. And uh, at one point Glenn goes, it's not gas. Um, and I realized, oh my goodness, this is super serious. This is really serious. And anyway, so that happened. Um, <laughs> Something was wrong with my pancreas, and um, basically it just stopped working. And your enzyme levels, usually about 160, mine were 33,000. 
That was bad, <laughs> really bad. And um, it's probably caused by a, a genetic thing. My dad had pancreas issues and throughout his family, as well as there was probably a cyst on the pancreas. So I was in there for 10 days, 10 days in hospital, a long time, no, no fluids. I have fluids through an IV. I wasn't allowed to drink anything or eat anything. They wouldn't even give me fluid, uh, food in a bag, you know, kind of through my IV. I just had fluids until my blood sugar went so low, they were like, yeah, we should give her a bag of fluids, um, bag of food, so they gave me that for a while, and then um, by ninth day, I had a liquid diet. I have never been so excited to see iced tea, and I hate iced tea, and now I love iced tea. It's just like, oh my gosh, something tasty. Um, and then eventually, I went on to solid foods, and I was um, released, and they said to me, yes, you won't get better for about six weeks, and you will probably not feel completely well for over a year. And by the way, we've seen a cyst and we think it might be cancerous, bye. And I'm like, okay, bye. So I have been recovering from that. So that hasn't been fun at all. And of course, this, this is a toll on Glenn. He was about to go and see his brother who wasn't very well, as you know. And then his, his wife goes careering off to hospital and he's like, you know. Um, and then a month after that, Glenn's brother died. And um, yeah, we, I mean, I'm very fond of him too. So that was super hard, super hard. And Glenn was with him at the end. So that's, that's hard too, you know, if you're with someone at the end. And then I had an incident with an extended family member who started berailing me. And um, it's a long story, but I'm going to close it to a short one saying, oh, really, for the last 30 years I've known you, you're fake. You're just a fake person. You're just all so jolly and fake. Thank you. Um, you're just, you know, the way you're so bright and breezy, you're just, just a fake person. And I'm like, okay. Don't know what to say to that. Okay. I will return to this story in just a minute. Here's the time for the messages. Nelson Mandela says, I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Got to conquer it, right? So I want to ask you now, who right now is in a challenging time? Just put your hands up. Do be brave. Put your hands up. Who is, keep your hands up. Who has ever been in a challenging time? Right. Bleep happens, right? <laughs> Stuff happens to us. We have all had struggles and situations and challenges and trials in our life. Some can be really small. Some can be really big, right? So let's go back to Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. And I want to read from the Amplified version. There's another um, uh, slide up there. should be another slide. Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. Wow. Do you, do you get that? Who believes and trusts and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confidence expectation is the Lord. It's not in doctors, though I am very grateful for pain medication, just saying. All right, uh, I'm very grateful for all that they have done for me. Don't get me wrong, doctors are not from Satan. They have amazing, beautiful things they do. Um, 
But my hope, my final hope, and my ultimate hope is in trusting and relying on God. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes. But its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be, and it will not anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. So I want you just to, you bear with me, I'm a very, I'm a creative, so if you, have, if you know anything about me, I'm an actor, I love creative, I'm a visual learner, that's why I always have slides up, because I'm like, I just need to be paid attention to, right? I need to pay attention. So I just want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to think about a barren desert. Just think about any kind of desert. Any kind of desert that you like. It's dry, right? It's got rocks everywhere. There's not much to see. Maybe there's mountains and stuff, but they're dry and sandy, and it's hot. And it feels like nothing is living there. I want you to walk from that desert around a corner of a mountain, just around the corner, and there is a beautiful stream. There are trees and lush plants and ferns and there's a brook going through there, a bubbling brook, but just giving life to all the plants around it. There's a big tree standing there like a big oak tree, big olive tree, and it's bearing fruit. See the difference? Just open your eyes. So this plant here is, somebody gave it to me just before my sabbatical, and uh, it's beautiful. Beautiful plant, but um, I'll show you a picture of what it's like when it, you don't water it. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> looking down from it. It has the most amazing thing in it. I don't know what it is. Cara was looking after it for a while, but you water it, and it just springs back up to life. Just with a little water, and literally, I'm talking five minutes, whereas most plants take a while to revive. This one can go from that to that in about five minutes, just because... It, it, water is given to it. Isn't that just amazing? Let's go back to the olive tree then. One is weak, one is strong. And my plant and scenario, right? The water gives life, gives nourishment. If you continuously have that water gaining into you all the time, you will be nourished. So that when you have drought, when you have trials and when you have challenges, you will already be nourished. You will not be anxious or concerned in the year of the drought. If you're going through a drought right now, nourish yourself in the Lord. If you're not going through a challenge right now, I beg of you to get ready by nourishing yourself, by being part of that water the, the, the Bible talks about it was not a bush, it was a tree. A tree is more like this olive tree that is from Jerusalem, um, near Jerusalem. It's a big olive tree. They thick, thick branches, thick, thick roots that go down well, and they produce so much fruit of olives. What does the olive do? It makes oil, it makes beautiful things. Thinking oil and balsamic vinegar and French bread, but anyway, um, that was going through my head right now. Um, so think about that's how, that's the word in 
uh, Hebrew that they were using. It was that big tree, like an olive or like a cedar tree, okay? It, that's how you are when you are dwelt strongly in the Lord. And the fruit is a partnership, Lord, that God living in us. He's living in us. You walk around with Jesus in you. You don't have to ask, hey, Jesus, can you come into my trial? Because I'm having a, a challenge right now. Could, could, you, could you come down and sort, help me out with this? No, he's already here. He's already here. Can I hear an amen? He's already here in you. In you, if you know Jesus, he is already here. So why are we saying, oh God, I need you to come here? No, he is already here, right? I was reading in Psychology Today says they have seen the answer to fear is knowledge and understanding. So dangerous animal handlers don't just pick up the first venomous snake they see or whatever it might be. They study the traits and the characteristics of that snake so they know exactly how to handle it. And that's the same as us. We need to know the, the, the traits and the characteristics of God the traits and the characteristics of Jesus. So when tough stuff comes our way, we know how to handle it, right? The opposite of fear is joy, trust, confidence, calmness. You just, you, honestly, I, I can speak from experience in this. I really can. How do we have victory? when the drought is upon us. How do we have victory? When, that, when your marriage is having a bumpy road or when your physical body is not doing what it should do. How do we have victory in that? How do we stop worrying about this and that? Do I have cancer? I don't know. How do we have victory in all circumstances? What does it victory look like in challenging places? Hands up if you always wanna have victory in challenging places. Yeah, all hands should be up because we want to, right? We want to have victory, and yet we feel like, eh, I'm not doing a great job here. But you can do a great job there. So I want to go back to when I was talking earlier about all the different things that were happening over this year. Um, so in our marriage, we declared life into it. This is going to work out. This is going to be good. We are going to make this work. We are going to get counseling and help. We are going to talk it through. We're gonna do this, and you declare life into it. You speak life into the things that are not to create into being, okay? It also changes your mind. It's not just a biblical thing. It is a, you know, I've heard it the other day. I was, I was walking, um, whatever you may think of Oprah, I love her. Uh, I think she's got some great, great things to say, and she was talking in this podcast, and she was saying how if you change your thinking, um, on something like, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, rather than to, I'm going to have a second wind later, okay? So even the world is doing it, right? As Christians, we have so much more to be able to say that. We have so much more to be able to say, I'm so tired, but God has got something great for me here, right? It's so much more. The level is so much higher. So declare things into your relationships. Love well. If you have a, relation, a relational problem in your life, just love well, okay, love well. It's so, hard, so easy, isn't it, to, to just go, well, you know, you said this, and I, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Love well, love well. It doesn't mean say you don't communicate, say things honestly, but you can love well. 
Glenn's brother's cancer, when we were, he was going through that, and um, Glenn's brother was um, interesting um, man. He didn't know Jesus, um, didn't want to know Jesus, really didn't want to know Jesus. Um, but we just loved well, right? You just love them well. And you can do, I, I remember when I first met Jesse, his tagline all the time was, I can do hard things well. And I'm like, sure, dude. Anyway, it's stuck. So um, I can do hard things well. Everyone say that. I can do hard things well. Beautiful. I love it. And we can do hard things well. We, we spent a lot, and one night we were up all night in the hospital and stuff like that, we were like, I can do, we can do hard things well. We can do this. We can just go through a whole night with no sleep. That's okay. We can do hard things well. And then in the hospital, um, well, first of all, I was thanking God for medicine and doctors and nurses. And if you know anyone in the doctor and nursing profession, I love them. That's it. Um, but I was not afraid. I remember getting into the ambulance and the paramedics going, I'm screaming, ah, ah, like this. I mean, my whole neighbors must have heard. Um, and he goes, it's okay, do you have to, have to be afraid? And I'm like, I'm not afraid, I'm in pain. Um, I just wasn't afraid, okay? Uh, I was a little afraid when they, cl closed, the, they closed the doors because I'm getting a little claustrophobic. But um, yes, yeah, so when I got into the hospital and I heard all these people around me and I thought to myself, I'm dying. I'm actually dying. This could be, this could be it. It was sort of this alternative voice don't get me wrong, don't say anything spooky or weird. I'm not that weird. But it was kind of like this other side of me went, oh, I think I'm dying. Hmm. Gosh, I wish I'd done a few things that I said I was going to do. <laughs> so there was no fear there. Absolutely no fear. I just thought, well, if I'm dying, I'm dying. I'm not afraid. God's got me. Whether I go to heaven or stay here, it's all good. I'm not afraid. And the whole time, I was not ever afraid. Um, and even when I got into the ward and I was sitting the nurse, I was like, it's okay, you don't have to worry. I'm like, I'm not worried. just want you to give me some more medicine. Thank you. Um, I'm not worried, not one bit. How is it for one, all of you in this room to go, I'm not going to worry? It's not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. Okay, then as I'm listening there, God teaches us something. So I was talking to some girls last night. I'm going, every part of this hard year, I am always saying, what are you teaching me right now? What am I learning? How am I growing? It's in these trials and challenges you grow. I remember coming to the States with two small children, um, no food, no, um, no money, no job, no house, no car, and two small children, my husband, arrived. And everyone's like, oh my goodness. In that challenge, we grew so much, spiritually, relationally, mentally, emotionally. I grew so much. I grew up, basically. And it was a beautiful thing, even though it was hard. Okay, so thing, you grow in these things. So um, when I went on sabbatical, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna rest. I you know, don't need to do a little resting, listening to Jesus, um, which is hard for me to do, if you know me. And um, I ended up not being able to watch TV, not being able to read because I was so sick. All I could do is put my headphones in and listen to podcasts. So what was I doing? I was just sitting, resting, and listening. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, this isn't quite what I had in mind. But um, okay, 
This is what you've got me doing right now. And I listened to all sorts of things, from non-Christian to Christian. I wanted to hear people's world point, point of view, uh, from the UK, from over here. It was just really good to be able to listen to all these different things and to hear different points of view. And each time as I heard these different things, I was like, oh, that's good, that's a God thing. God taught you that, God taught me this, or just, oh, I didn't know that about such and such, or didn't know that about that thing. And he taught me so much as I'm listening. And then I'm listening to the nurses. As I begin to get slightly better, I'm listening to the nurses. The nurses come in, I'm sitting duck. What can they do? They can't go away, they can't be rude. So I'm like, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> and, and I started walking around with my um, IV stand, you know, and you have been to a um, surgery, and it's this big stand like this, and it's got, I think I've got a picture of it somewhere, do I? Yes, there we go. Um, it had three or four bags on it, and I called it Bob, by the way, because you have to have some humor, you know? And I walked around, and I really slowly with Bob, he kept stalking me, by the way, into the bathroom the whole thing. Um, just was really a bit tired of Bob at the, at the end. But anyway, so Bob came around with me. So I would just wander around, and I'd see other patients, and I'd go in and encourage them. Hey, how you doing? You doing all right? This is Bob. Um, he wants to, yeah, uh, and just love on them. Oh, I don't feel too well. Okay, let me be you, that kind of thing. And then just walk around a bit more and, you know, talk to nurses, and they were like, something bad really happened. Oh, let me, let's chat about that. Let me, you know, let me listen to you about that. And then one night, the night nurse came in, and she, um, she was talking about something, and I said, hey, I don't mean to sound rude, but I just had a feeling that you want to be a teacher, which is weird, because you're a nurse. Um, and she goes, oh my word, I, I do, I want to teach nursing. That's my dream. And I said, well, I think God wants you to, to fulfill your dream. I think God wants you to be a teaching nurse, you know, nurse to teachers. And she was like, oh my word. Anyway, as I was being charged about two or three days later, she came into my room. She said, I just wanted to say, I'm just coming off shift, and I wanted to say goodbye, but I wanted to thank you. I came back. I went back to my, my boyfriend and my, uh, my, da my dad or mom, and I told them, this girl said to me that I was going to be a teacher. She had no idea, and, and how did you know that? And I'm like, and she's psychic or something? I'm like, no. I had the Holy Spirit in me, and um, <laughs> so I just told her, that, like, God. God is telling you that he wants to fulfill your dream and seek him, you know, just to seek him. And it was just this beautiful thing. And I encouraged the patients and I encouraged the cleaner. Even the cleaner came in. I was like, yeah, you know, don't speak very good Spanish. But anyway, I, I, I tried to get that, you know what I mean? Um, now, that, now, to say that it was all beautiful merriment and roses and fairies, it was not. <laughs> there were days when Bob and I were really falling out. And there were times when... Um, I just felt sorry for myself, like, why isn't so-and-so coming to visit? And, and why, is, you know, why don't I get flowers from so-and-so? And all this kind of stuff. And I realized that I hadn't told many people, so that would possibly be it. And, um, and you just feel sorry, like, oh, why is this going on for so long? Why can't I get better? All this kind of stuff. And then just kept going back. You make a choice, people. You make a choice. You choose to go down the pity party route or you can make a choice to go, I choose to make this my place right now because me and Jesus are here, right? I, I have Jesus in the room. So I'm going to use this time for whatever it might be to change me, to grow me, to move me, to encounter me at this time. Now, 
Would I want to go back to doing that again? No, please, thank, no, thank you. It was really, really bad. Um, so that happened. So this was a toll on Glenn, like I said before. Um, he got sleep, sleep, the physical. Sometimes the physical is important, then as well as the spiritual and mental. You know, Elisha was given food before God spoke to him, right? Sometimes you need to get some sleep or some food, whatever it might be. Um, and then when Glenn's brother died, you just mourn it. You just mourn it, you bring in family, and you have those family support people. And the incident with the family member, well, I got in the car and I started driving. And I'm driving like this and I'm crying. Like, I'm fake. People don't like me. This is awful. I wonder how many other people think I'm fake. I wonder if Jesse just doesn't say anything about me, but he really hates me. I wonder if I should be doing this job anymore. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I just make my kids hate me too. And, and I'm doing this halfway down to Bakersfield, and suddenly I go, wait a minute, what's the truth here? What is the truth here? The truth is, I'm not fake. Of all the people in the world, I'm probably the least fake person out there. <laughs> I'm not fake. She doesn't know Jesus. She doesn't understand the joy that I have inside me. She doesn't understand the positivity that I have in my life. She doesn't understand that I just love people. Maybe too much, but I love them, right? I love, love, love people. I love people so much. I want to care for them. I want to hug them. I want to love on them. I want to connect them. I want to just love on them so well. You guys are my people, so I love on you, right? Come on, get a hug from me, always. I will always give you a hug. So I love people well, and so I had to say to myself, the truth is I'm not fake. I am not. And she said a few other things too. I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. And even now, the enemy will come and go, remember, you're fake. You remember you're actually fake, really? And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> okay, so the enemy can always come back and taunt you with this and this and this from things from the past. So, um, And then because of my um, illness in hospital, I still have ongoing pain and tiredness, get very tired. I used to be like, woohoo, party time, and I'm like, hey, is it six o'clock, I'm going to bed. Um, and that's not easy for somebody like myself or anybody to have ongoing illness or an ongoing situation or an ongoing trial. I'm pretty good in a crisis, but I don't do very well with the things that go on and on and, and basically slow down my day, you know? I'm not very good with those. But God, right? Right now, God's telling me, okay, all you can do is, you know, I, I work on my computer a lot, so that's easy, so I don't have to do a lot of running around for that, but um, you're just going to have to rest a lot more. You're going to have to read the books a lot more. You're going to have to um, not do as many crazy things as you want to do a lot more, and this is just your season. You wanted a season of rest. I'm like, I wasn't quite expecting this, actually. But God, right? God has got, a, got me near here for such a time as this because he wants me to rest. And so I just want to just encourage you. Fire refines you. Fire refines you. It's not fun sometimes being in the fire, but it refines you. Trials upgrade you. You will go through a trial, and if you go with it, you and Jesus together, 
It will upgrade your life. Life will be different. You will be different. I'm telling you, he will upgrade your life. And he, uh, you grow and you change, and that's what we want. When I was a, a child, um, I used to go to an Anglican church, um, a little church of England um, in my village. Yes, you know, we have these little cute little churches in England. Um, and I used to go there even when I was young. My parents didn't go, but I went. Um, and so I learned a lot of the stuff that they teach. And I never want you to decry some other churches out there because they speak the word of the of the Bible a lot. So it never comes back void. That's what the, the Bible says. The word of the Lord never comes back void. And so things that were said to me, even though it might be a, what we would call a little drier or more traditional, never comes back void. And I used to hear this um, psalm, they'd say this quite a lot, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Beautiful. You know, I really encourage you, read a, a, a verse of the Bible over and over and over again. Maybe use different translations if you want. But just read it out loud. Read it over and over again. And at the time, when you're 8, 10, 12, 13 or something, you're like, uh, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, yeah, okay, that's not going to happen. So I'm uh, moving on. But that, <laughs> that word came to me <laughs> in day three of hospital visit. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, it's in me, right? It's in me. So when those times of drought come out, the water is still there to replenish the tree. I ask you now to, I'm just going to close fairly soon, but I ask you to resist the worldview on this. Okay? The people who don't know Jesus. I ask you to resist that. And that, to me, looks like moaning. Like, oh, your husband, yeah, oh, he is very like this. Yeah, you, you should totally, like, leave him. Or, um, you know, you should tell him, you should just tell him what for, you know. Um, that's the worldview. The Christian view, on the other hand, the godly view is, let's pray about that. Let's talk. Uh, why don't we talk? Why don't you? let me help you talk to him about that or whatever it might be it's, but remember he's a good man he serves here he does this right that's the godly point of view there is the worldview is is the whining is the fear of death so i have a lady um i'm gonna i'm, I'm like i'm open book today i go to weight watchers um and i'm trying to lose some weight and i there's this little old lady sitting next to me they're all i think i'm youngest by about 20 years but anyway um they were fantastic. Great little group of little old ladies. And um, they, she was like, I said, and she said, oh, how are you after all your hospital thing? And they were really worried. They sent me a card. They texted me. They were brilliant. Really, really good. And um, she said, oh, I said, I'm great. I said, you know, the whole time, never thought, feared anything. She goes, you didn't fear anything? I'm like, no, I'm not afraid of death. Now, this lady used to be a nun. Used to be. Uh, <laughs> but she still believes she still believes in God, but she doesn't have that sense of knowing God, of really knowing God. And she, um, she was like, you didn't have any fear at all? I said, no, no. They said, you know, I could be a nice to you and all this bit and life-threatening, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, that didn't worry you? I'm like, no. Apart from that, there wasn't a lot of pain. But it didn't worry me. I wasn't worried. I had no fear. And she said, then what, 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 when they gave you different medications, I'm like, I'm not worried. I have no fear. She goes, I need to talk to you about that. I really need to understand that. 
how you have no fear. And we forget that so many people in the world have a lot of fear. Why don't we be people who have no fear? Why don't we be people who get on a plane, you know, Karen's probably dealt with this, get on a plane, and the turbulence is really bad, and she's got a whole lot of fearful people on the plane. Is that right? Yes. They're fearing. What are they fearing? They're fearing death. They're really scared that this might be it. The plane might go down, might die. Very unlikely. But um, <laughs> the point is, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. There should be no fear in that, because we know where we're going, and we, we believe in a miraculous God. So both ways, we win, right? We win both ways. Um, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. That's from Corrie Ten Boone. I'm going to say that again. If you, everyone knew Corrie Ten Boone, who wrote The Hiding Place? Who's read The Hiding Place? Yes. If you haven't, it's an old book. You should read it. It's really amazing. Um, she was taken to, um, she was a, taken to a Holocaust place in, um, uh, I can't remember, an Auschwitz somewhere. But she says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It em empties today of its strength. So if you're worrying, you are sucking the water out of your day. You're just, it's just pouring out of you. Right? Sometimes it's a leap of faith to believe that God has you. I just want to play, can we play that movie clip? Is that possible? Ah! Ah! Mr. Girl, up here! Mr. Girl! Okay, girls, girls, you're going to have to jump. Jump? Are you insane? Don't worry, I will catch you. I know, I know, and it is the worst mistake I ever made. But you have to jump now. It'll be okay. <gasps> okay, girls. Jump now. <laughs> Marco, I will catch you. And I will never let you go again. Sometimes you have to leap and a leap of faith to say, God's got me. God's got me. Isaiah 41.10 says, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you. It's a promise. It's not a if you're this and that, or I am with you if you're good. It just says, I am with you, always, always. So how to have victory? You need to abide with him daily, right? Just daily. You don't have to do this long, elongated devotional time. Just talk to him. Talk to him on the phone. Talk, like you talk to someone on the phone. Talk to him in the car. Talk to him as you're doing your cleaning. Talk to him as you're going to the work. Just talk to him. Just abide with him. Just know him. Read the word. Learn the word. Those words came back to me many times when I was in my challenge. Declare the victory. Speak it out. Declare it out. Just say, God, you've got this. Even that's all you can say. You've got this. You've got this. God, you've got this. Even that's all you can say. Declare it out. Speak it out. Because as you speak, it comes back to your ears, and it makes more sense to your brain. So it actually does something physiological within you as well as spiritual, mental, emotional. And have a support team. Um, there was a picture of a small child there. Um, this is one of my support team leaders. Um, she's only four months old. She's my granddaughter. But um, I have a number of support team people in my life. And you sometimes have your inner circle, don't you? And they go out. Have those people. If you don't have those people, pray about those people. Find those people. You need those people. You have Jesus in you. You have the Holy Spirit who is in you. Wherever you go, wherever you go, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in a hospital bed, whether, whatever it is, wherever you go, you are, bring Jesus into the room. You bring Jesus into the room. You have Jesus in you, and you bring Jesus into the room. And so he's right there inside you, and he can change anything. He can change your mind, your mental heart, your emotional heart, relational things, financial things, personal things. He can change anything in your life. You really can. I'm a speaking, walking testimony of that. And I, I really want you for those of you who put your hand up, I want you to come up now as the, as the worship team plays. I want you to come up and I want you to get prayer. The prayer team's gonna come on up. I want you to come up and get prayer. Get a prophetic word over your situation. Get yours, this is your support team here. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Why are we so scared about getting up from our seats and walking forward? I don't know. Why are we so scared of that? I really, really encourage you, come out. Come get a prophetic word about your situation. Come and get something about your challenge. I know there's more of you. A whole lot of you raised your hands about some challenges you're having. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. I'm asking you to come out, to start getting prayed for.